0: all right welcome to bet the edge happy wednesday everyone i'm jay croucher here with the whale capper drew dinsick thanks everyone watching on the nbc sports youtube channel today we're going to talk about the five quarterbacks taken in the top 15 of the 2021 draft class and uh Four of them involved this weekend and how we think they each uh, respectively impact lines. We're going to talk about the Eastern Conference in the NBA with uh, particularly the ripples post Steve Nash uh, being mutually fired, basically. And then we're going to talk (laughs) with uh, Matt Bionier on uh, the Breeders' Cup. But, Drew, let's start off with the vaunted 2021 draft class and how these (laughs) quarterbacks impact the line Let's start with Dustin Fields, who right now is the 28th ranked quarterback by PFF grade. Yeah. That makes him the number one quarterback uh, in this class by PFF grade this season. Wow. Um, the, Bears, the Bears are five-point dogs at home to so the Dolphins. The total is 45 and a half, which is pretty high for a Bears game these days. But what have you seen from Fields so far, and how do you rate him relative to the competition?
3: Okay, so... um If you made me take one out of this class and say this guy is ultimately going to succeed at the NFL level, I think right now it has to be Fields just based on the fact that he has been able to at least produce competent quarterback play with what is the worst cast of characters around any quarterback in the NFL through this point of the season. And it was an interesting strategic plan by the Bears to go this route. Right. To just basically strip the whole place down to the studs and to say, Fields, like, we're going to put you in harm's way. We're going to give you the worst offensive line in of football. We're going to give you virtually no one to throw the ball to. Uh, and if you can succeed, then we know you're the guy. And at least what he has shown to this point, it, while not grand success, he's not leading this team to the playoffs by any stretch of the imagination, but it is at least kind of operating at a, a relatively high level and most of it is because his athleticism and his ability to kind of create plays out of nothing from a scramble uh has been sort of the key to surviving behind you know again the worst offensive line in football so um fields at least to me is worth building around out of this group crew, crew of characters um but uh you know i think you know the, the bears now you know they make a move at the trade deadline they bring in a receiver in Claypool. that was pretty smart in my opinion I think they over did they overpay for him 100% yes. Like, should they have tried to get him for a three instead of a two? Of course. Should they at least have tried to get it for Ravens two instead of their own two? Of course. Um, but at the same time, they had to overpay for a wide receiver, in my opinion, largely so that they can get a true evaluation of Fields in terms of his development as a passer. Here, you don't want to invest all this time into developing him as a quarterback and then ultimately see, you know, not have enough data at the end of the season to know that you really want to move forward building around this quarterback. So, uh, I thought that was a pretty, uh, a pretty low price. To pay for that type of uh, information, uh, and uh, you know, I think ultimately uh, expecting that Fields continues to develop as a passer to complement what is a very successful running game is is sort of the baseline expectation. The last kind of key point here: the NFL is changing. We've talked about this a ton, right? The way that the defenses are generally playing too high safeties, uh, the cloud coverage um, has tacked into Fields skill set being even more valuable. Uh, And so that's kind of the only thing that really gives me the confidence to suggest he will ultimately make it as a QB in this league.
0: Yeah, I think you touched on it with that last point with playing too high safety more than any time in NFL history, uh, with playing quarters, with basically incentivizing running more than ever before, making running more efficient than it's ever been in the NFL with run efficiency, catching up to passing efficiency. I think that Fields' skill set certainly is well married to that progression. And also now like with Chase Claypool alongside Darnell Mooney, Khalil Herbert, even though he doesn't get used as much as he should, is one of the better running backs in the league. And now all of a sudden this bears offense is sneakily competent. Uh, We're going to hear a lot more about Justin Fields, just kind of in the zeitgeist because the past three weeks, he's been the number two quarterback in fantasy, which just means he's going to get talked about a lot more because there is all that buzz. Uh, So, I think the Bears the rest of the season, I think they have a chance to really flirt with the last wild card spot in the NFC. I don't have a great chance, but look, their schedule goes Miami, Detroit, at Atlanta, at the Jets, home to Green Bay, who can't defend the run at all. If they go three and two in that stretch and then they're six and seven, then they're lingering around. won't bring it up that they have to play Philadelphia and Buffalo after their bye, but I do think that they have a chance to make a bit of noise. And I think that, Dolphins minus five is, is a little bit too rich. I don't think... Firstly, losing Robert Quinn do- doesn't really matter. doesn't, For, doesn't it matter. Doesn't matter. Maybe, maybe not. It might be a benefit. He was one of the worst ranked pass <laughs> rushers by PFF grade. Uh, he wasn't giving them anything. Yeah, he was good last year, but he's not been good this year. Uh, and then Roquan Smith, that's a bigger loss. But at the same time, I think the perception of him is much inflated relative to his value. A lot of the perception comes because... He gets a lot of tackles, which is not necessarily the single most valuable thing that a defensive player can do. So Mm -hmm. I think the Bears will be fine. They're like plus 1,500 to make the playoffs in the NFC still. I think that's a little bit too big. But uh, do you think the line, do you think Bears plus five, uh, home to the Dolphins, is worth a tickle?
3: Bears or pass over or pass. I played some over here. I'm not regretting playing the over at, by any stretch of the imagination after the Chubb move yesterday. But uh, certainly the the Bears being the live offense in this game, getting us over 45 and a half points is is sort of the angle. Um, in that same regard, keeping this to a one score game is is very very realistic in my mind. They still have a cover corner who can match up decently well against Terry Hill. So uh, this is probably a Waddle game more than Hill game. Um, but I think that. Uh, Ultimately, this is a game that lands in the forty-seven to forty-nine range.
0: How much does Bradley Chubb move the line for the Dolphins? Half a point? Is he Bradley Chubb worth half a point
3: mm, against this offensive line? I'll give you half a point. Yeah, um, but I have not really been overwhelmingly impressed with Chubb throughout his career to this point. I think the Dolphins sold reasonably high on him. I mean, I think the Broncos, you mean, sold reasonably high on him, but the Bron- but the Dolphins backs were against the wall to get a pass rusher, so I, I you know, that was a very neutral move in my mind. Yeah.
0: I think Bradley Chubb, I agree he does he hasn't lived up to his draft capital or anything like that nor even close, but I think he's probably worth more to the Dolphins than he would be for almost any other team because the That's Dolphins have not been able to generate a pass rush with four for a long time now. Uh, let's move on now to, uh, to Trevor Lawrence, number one pick in the draft He's 10,000 to go number one, two weeks before the draft, which is one of the great bets of all time still, uh, at minus 10,000. Uh, and he is a one and a half point dog to the Las Vegas Raiders Jags at home Raiders continue to get a crazy amount of respect. Uh, this is the, I think the third time where they've been uh maybe a surprising road favorite they were two and a half point favorites at tennessee lost that uh they were two point favorites against the saints ended up getting destroyed in that one and now they're one and a half point favorites at the jags the jags coming back from london which doesn't help their cause also doesn't help their cause that apparently they're terrible now um Uh, what have you seen from Lawrence so far? <laughs> Certainly he's fallen off after what was a pretty encouraging first three weeks.
3: Yeah, the inconsistency is what scares you there. Um, he showed you some lows last year that were easy to kind of compartmentalize and put in a shell, put up on the shelf and say that might have just been because of Urban Meyer and the way he was developed. Um, but then you see them come out in a game like the the Broncos game, and you think, uh-oh, um, if he is ultimately – only going to give you the highs, which were not even really that impressive so far this season. The game against the Colts, the game against the Chargers um, was more of a team effort, I thought, than it was on Lawrence performance, uh, you know, kind of characteristic. Um, it's concerning because, because again, like the highs haven't been high enough and the lows have been too low. You know, the median performance the 32nd best quarterback by PFF grading is horrific. I mean, that's this guy was supposed to be a generational talent, and now you need him to make a generational leap um, in terms of improving performance in order to realize the capital they spent on this guy. Uh, They continue to add, 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 add wide receivers around him they give christian kirk you know an absolutely you know insane contract to reset the market uh to bring him a weapon this off season now they go out and trade draft capital bring in calvin ridley like they're trying hard to put the pieces around him to realize in this investment um but uh for whatever reason either through kind of um mistakes in development and or just you know he sh- the flashes he showed in college were more about you know, do quality of competition more so than his kind of in, inherent skill set, then uh, whatever the case is, he is trending bust. And it's sad because you want more good quarterback play in this league, particularly in the AFC South, which looked winnable for this Jags team. And uh, the fact that the Jags are two and six after considering their otherwise relatively solid statistical performance this year is, is pretty depressing.
0: Yeah, I think the the highs that Lawrence has shown and I go back to week 18 against the Colts last year where he looked like the, the second coming of Dan Marino but those just haven't been they just they just haven't been prevalent at all he had a first a pretty good first 3 weeks this season but since then it's just all short intermediate stuff there's no depth he does have kind of has weapons he has better weapons than last year now with christian kirk marvin jones jr zay jones has been perfectly fine he has travis etienne who right now is looking like a top six seven running back in the entire league And i think that next season i mean this might be travis etienne's team more than trevor lawrence's but we'll see calvin ridley obviously will make a bit of a difference as well are you still buying the raiders minus one and a half point no, favorites at the chase? no though. no like jacksonville no. on that
3: spot I mean, this is Jags or Pass again, but like, I mean, the travel spot is not great. You're coming home from London. You're playing a Raiders team that come, you know, that has stayed in Florida uh, to try to get right this week. A Raiders team that came coming off of a horrific performance, where everybody was sick apparently. Um, but the idea that the Raiders are favored here, I, I don't get it. This Raiders team's not very good. They are not very talented. You look at how they're getting it done, and it's with. Uh, you know, with players that you kind of rate barely above replacement level. Uh, I I don't understand it. I don't understand the market support for this team. I just have not been betting Raiders games because the prices don't make sense to me.
0: Yeah, it is baffling. I do think that last week was a little bit of an outlier in that... Uh, they will go over midfield on offense in this game before there's three minutes, 15 left in the fourth quarter. Like that's not going to happen again. And also Devontae Adams, who was ill all week apparently and was a shell of himself. Like Devontae Adams, healthy, just have those types of games. But at the same time, he would rather that they uh, got over midfield before three minutes, 15 left in the fourth quarter. So I think clearly as well, they have huge... Bottom falls out potential as well with Josh McDaniels. With now, you know, the playoffs being basically a pipe dream at this point for the Raiders, mm-hmm. even though their schedule isn't too difficult. Let's move on to Colts, Patriots, Mac Jones, who obviously was firmly in the mix for offensive rookie of the year last year. I think he also was probably better last year, even than the perception of him. He got extremely unlucky with drops, with interception luck. By luck-adjusted EPA, he was a borderline top 10 quarterback in the NFL last year. I have no idea what the hell is happening this year. He's the 37th-ranked quarterback by PFF grade, uh, and there's only 38 quarterbacks who qualify for that. So he's basically been the worst quarterback in the NFL. And I've gone from thinking... When Mac went down, and he wasn't great the first three weeks, but he was still, that was such a small sample, I thought that he would be worth around like four points over Bailey Zappi. And then Zappi shows that he's better than expected, and then I thought it was more like three, two and a half, two. Now I think there's no difference between them whatsoever with Mac Jones in this current state. I think Jones probably has more upside to get back to a above-average level than Zappi just because he's shown it last year and he still is a second-year quarterback. But, mm-hmm. I mean... The line is telling you right, that the market has given up on Mac Jones. The fact yeah. that they're only five and a half point favorites over Sam Ellinger, who couldn't do anything on <laughs> a Colts team that is is dreadful at the moment. Uh, what's going on with Mac Jones?
3: It's even more than that. The market bet against him. They bet on Sam Ellinger. Yeah, it was this was six. It moved five and a half. So the place is five. Like the yeah, like that. That is very telling. Um, I'm I'm the buyback here. I like New England at the cheaper price. So, yeah. uh, Mac Jones has been awful, and I if again like quarterback development is fickle. He maybe had a little bit too much success when it really wasn't about him last year. It was more about the pieces around him. It was the running attack. It was the scheme. It was the offensive line. It was the incredible coaching. It was the defense, right? Like the it was a team effort that really got New England in position for a playoff spot last year. And maybe Jones was kind of a little bit too confident in his contributions to that when it was really just he was playing very game manager football. He wasn't really being asked to do a ton. Uh, And when he was asked to do stuff, it was largely catching other teams by surprise because they didn't really know he had those weapons or he wasn't going to take those shots. Um, And now coming into the season after a full off season where they have kind of just malpractice on an organizational level, what the Patriots have done to him in terms of shattering his confidence. Like, this may be a, hey, we got to tear him down so that he like kind of redoubles his efforts to try to improve and, and kind of invest in himself in terms of development. Like that may be the end game here, um, but it hasn't worked so far because his, you know, the confidence shaking and the, uh, you know, kind of saber rattling of kind of trying to get him going has just led to him making worse and worse decisions. And that's not really the intention here. You, you're, you if you're trying to get him to uh, invest in, and become a better quarterback, I, I don't know why you play it this way. I don't know why you put Joe Judge and uh, Matt Patricia in his in his ear in terms of the development uh, uh, combination. Um, Belichick really playing with fire here, and uh, you know the pulling him for zappy at home in a primetime game against the bears was weird. Um, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that he bounces back here against an Indianapolis team that has huge, huge, huge issues, questions with the uh, personnel on the defense side of the ball. Um, and Sam Ellinger, who it doesn't seem like Frank Reich really wanted to go to. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this is uh if, if this wasn't an Indianapolis team, that's uh, kind of in shambles, then I would be uh, more concerned that, um, uh that the patriots are only late five and a half yep the one
0: concern i would have is that the patriots run defense has been terrible all season we saw what chicago did to them uh just a week ago week and a half ago so that would be the concern is that i mean jonathan taylor is still on the colts even though he's been a ghost and unsighted and that offensive line has been bad but for if i think that the Colts will be less punished for having Sam Ellinger in this game perhaps than other games just because they will try and, and run the ball and they theoretically have an elite running back even though he hasn't shown it. And uh, I look forward to Mac Jones uh, quarterbacking the Colts next season. Um, <laughs> uh, let's jump to Bill's Jets. Bill's a 13-point favorites uh, at the 5-3 and three New York Jets. And Zach Wilson... was definitely the story of the the jets game against the patriots with three interceptions two of the most baffling ones you'll ever see uh he basically he had the amari cooper interception except zach wilson is a quarterback uh so you don't get that pass and you try and throw it away and then you throw a pick
3: uh
0: if not for sam ellinger i would say that zach wilson is the worst quarterback in the nfl Right now. Uh, and the numbers the numbers would back that up, but it's not just that. Just watching him, watching the way that he drifts in the pocket. He hangs around, he hangs around, he drifts out to his right, he invites the pressure for no reason. He just doesn't give up on plays the way he should, maybe more than any quarterback I can remember. Zach Wilson just refuses to give up on plays. Uh, and he's not Patrick Mahomes, so he can't do that. Uh, what are you saying from Wilson so far? And is he of the five quarterbacks? you know, in the first round, including Trey Lance, is Wilson number five on your list right now?
3: Yeah, he's the guy that I would have the highest conviction you need to move on from, Um, particularly because the Jets have invested so heavily in young players to put around him, and it's not working. Um, And by all accounts, the players that they have put around him, uh, both From just just a talent standpoint and production standpoint, you know the you know Brees Hall obviously out, but Hall has pop. Garrett Wilson has pop. Uh, Sauce Gardner is obviously a future star. Like now, you have a young nucleus that you need to build on quickly, and you have to do it with a cheap quarterback. And Zach Wilson does not look like the answer. Now, you know what do you do? (laughs) That's a different question. You know you're not going to have quite high enough of a draft pick to get an obvious crack at one of the top guys in this year's class. Uh, So you've kind of put yourself in a little bit of a cult situation here where you may be kind of trying to bring in a retread uh, and or just, you know, kind of pray that Wilson continues to improve. But um, yeah, I think this is the one that uh, I would be the most surprised if he ultimately can make a leap. Um, He has not shown a ceiling high enough. Uh, To warrant an expectation that he can do like what Josh Allen did, right? Like there is still a chance that Lawrence goes from where he is now to what Josh Allen is. That's there's a chance, but I have not seen it with Wilson so far.
0: Yeah. I think Josh Allen has ruined the perception of so many quarterbacks because now there's so many. People who just expect that people can go on the Josh Allen path, not realizing that Allen is just a total historic outlier. Like quarterbacks just don't do that. They're not as bad as Allen was his first two years and then just turn into Josh Allen in year three. But uh, yeah, I would, not be, I would not be feeling good uh, about Zach Wilson. And I, really, I think they should be starting Flacco because they can make the playoffs um, if they do. I guess you, you still have to see what you have in Zach Wilson. But yeah, I think uh, the time, time is running out.
3: Yeah, Flacco may get. I mean, excuse me. Wilson may ultimately get benched this year, um, which would uh, kind of set up a nice opportunity. Once Geno Smith retires, Seattle can can bring in Zach Wilson and uh, and he can lead the team to more more playoff situations. So nice little, nice little potential Geno Smith uh, Zach Wilson parallel in like eight years. Yeah, listen, Geno Smith's never retiring. He's immortal like Keanu
0: Reeves. He will never die. All right, before we bring in Matt Bernier, it's a weekend of must-watch events on NBC and Peacock. It all begins with the Horses and the Breeders' Cup Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, followed by the Clemson Tigers taking on Notre Dame football in South Bend and capped off with Saturday Night Live. The action continues Sunday with the NASCAR Cup Series Championship at 3 p.m., And wraps up with my Titans battling the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football starting at 7 p.m. All of it on NBC and Peacock.
2: The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley High-Performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at Ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.
1: Hey
0: everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call.
3: This football season, PointsBet is bringing you a better way to bet live on games, which means before this ad is over, you can place a live same-game parlay, bet on the next drive to be a touchdown, and cash out your live second-half over bet. So whether you are on the move or on the couch, do it live on PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today and sign up with the code BETTHEEDGE. To get a second chance on your first five bets up to $100 each, new customers only must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia, Kansas, or Louisiana. Void where prohibited, Louisiana license pending in partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets... First five bet per day for five consecutive days. On a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website for more details. Gambling problem? In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, call 1-800-9WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117 in Virginia call 1-888-532-3500. And in Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. 1-877-770-7867. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services, or visit www.1800gambler.net. Gambling problem? Call eight seven seven eight Hope New York or text Hope NY four six seven three six nine in New York. All right,
0: let's see if we've got Matt Bernier. All right, Matt, I think you're you're at Boston Airport. A bit of a shaky connection. Let's see how we do here. How are you?
1: Yeah, heaven on earth. Logan Airport. I mean, where else would you rather be on a Wednesday morning? (laughs) Outstanding. All right, let's jump straight
0: into it. First race, we want to talk about the juvenile Phillies turf. Matt, what are you looking at here?
1: Yeah, look, a a bit of a chaos race. Two-year-olds this time of year, they're babies. They're still figuring things out. Uh, The 11G Laurie goes out for Grand Motion. He's won multiple Breeders' Cups. He's won a Kentucky Derby, a Dubai World Cup in the past. So the man knows what he's doing. And G Laurie, her debut, it didn't come back fast on the clock. Uh, But she looked really good winning down at Colonial in Virginia. She came back in a grade one up north of the border in Canada. And unfortunately, the trip was just miserable. No pace. She's in boxed up amongst other horses. She never really had a chance to run. She's 12 to 1 on the line, and they're going to put blinkers on. They also pick up William Buick, who is the best rider in Europe. So I think there's no small feat, nothing to uh, sneeze at there. Again, it's a bit of a chaos race. I don't want to get stuck in anything too short. I think G. Laurie has as good a shot as anyone at double-digit odds i love that man
3: that's a wild card pull the juvenile turf turf race uh and getting a 12 to one early on friday would be just awesome so great uh, great look by you on g Lori. uh on saturday kind of kicking off uh some of the high stakes uh stuff race number five we get the mile uh, on the dirt track it's a three-year-olds and up and uh an absolutely loaded field uh any kind of early leans here as you break this one down
1: no honestly of the two mile races drew i prefer the turf the dirt mile is just kind of another chaos race where i wouldn't be surprised if any one of six or seven won um i think you're going to be able to get good value in that spot but i don't have a strong conviction about one horse over another as far as the turf mile is concerned a little bit later on in the card everybody's going to be looking at modern games who was so impressive for charlie appleby winning up at woodbine a couple months ago I like Annapolis, the horse that won the local prep for this race, the Coolmore Turf Mile at Keeneland. He's a three-year-old. He took on Elders for the first time that day last month. And, yeah, he had a perfect trip saving ground. And everybody wants to look at it and say, how could you possibly back a horse getting a perfect trip again? It's very unlikely. Um, people are discrediting the fact that the pace completely melted down, and Annapolis is very close to it. Um, I think he works out another similar trip here on Saturday afternoon. And you can't overlook Todd Fletcher, the way that he's gone over the past month and a half, two months. Uh, Fletcher has a number of live charges this weekend. I think Annapolis is as good as any of them. And he's 10 to one online.
0: Okay, Matt, let's close out with the big one. The classic 540 PM Eastern on NBC. Who do you like here? Uh,
1: look, it's not really a gambling race for me. I think it's more of a sporting event and anybody that's listening to this, that's not into horse racing. I don't hold that against you, but if you're looking to see a genuinely great performance from a great athlete, uh, horse called flight line, he's only run five times in his life but it's not being hyperbolic saying that his last run at Del Mar was probably as good as we've seen since Secretariat's Belmont in 1973. Um, This horse is, uh, no pun intended, a horse of a different color. He just does not breathe the same air that these other horses do. Um, He's going to have to deal with life as good early on. He'll be three to five somewhere thereabouts, so probably not a great gambling opportunity, but purely from a spectator standpoint. Um, All lies, you got to pay attention to Flightline Saturday night.
0: Wow, that's interesting. It's actually Drew Dinsick was telling me that with his handicapping, he doesn't breathe the same air as others either. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) terminology. All right. Any thoughts on the race, Drew?
3: I mean, I'm excited to see Flightline run. I think I think we all are. This would be uh it would be shocking to see the upset but uh um you know this is uh, as amazing a champion uh as I would I've ever seen run on the, and uh I agree the Pacific Classic and uh, Del Mar was uh like gives you chills as you watch it. Uh not none of the other horses kind of in the mix here Epicenter, Taba, Hot Rod Charlie, none of them have uh impressed enough to think uh, of them as realistic contenders but um I think uh you know, Flatline, Probably goes off, what, two to five?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's three to five on the line. I can't imagine going over that. Um, some people are trying to draw up a scenario where he gets hooked in a pace duel with life is good and it compromises his chances. I, I mean, I, I don't really care. I haven't seen anything that would suggest the horse can't overcome something like that. And life is good doesn't want to go this far, in my opinion. So um, if you are absolutely hellbent on playing the race, maybe it's a, a cold exact flight line over epicenter. Who's an up and coming three year old or flight line over Taba? But I, I just I don't think there's great value there. I, I think everybody and their brother is going to be looking at it the same way. So for me, it is more of a pass race. Just sit back and watch. Okay,
0: Matt. Thank you for joining us. Where can people follow you?
1: Uh, Twitter at Bernie underscore Matt. Friday we are on USA starting at three, and then on Saturday we start at one o'clock on USA and then we move over to NBC at three.
0: Awesome. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks for joining us while you're in Boston. Say hello to my best friend, my fourth child, Marcus Smart, the Defensive Player of the Year. <laughs> Take it, it easy and have fun out there. All right, before we jump into Marcus Smart's conference, the East. Download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right, Drew, let's talk about that Eastern Conference Little turmoil, which is uh totally foreign to the Brooklyn Nets franchise. Uh, but they let go of Steve Nash, or anyway, he's not the coach anymore. It looks like Ime <laughs> Udoka, uh, for better or worse, will be the new coach Amazing. of the Brooklyn Nets. Which, uh, forgetting everything else, I think basketball wise should only help them after what Ime has shown, uh, what he did show in Boston from a basketball perspective. Uh, Nash, it's funny with Steve Nash, I thought he coached an incredible series against Milwaukee two years ago when it went seven, when they lost because Durant uh, had his toe on the line. I thought Nash pulled every every right string in that, in that series. He played it perfectly. And then ever since then, it's just been a disaster. The offense looks completely broken at the moment. How are you adjusting expectations of the Nets with a likely Udoka at the helm? <laughs>
3: Yeah, uh, Nets going full villain. <laughs> it was a surprise. Uh, tough to cheer for this team. I don't know how the fans are going to uh, react to this ultimately. But uh, um, no, I think... Uh, <laughs> ben Simmons, career Amazing. 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 <laughs> you took- amazing. It's really amazing. Um, as I look at their schedule, the bottom is not in for this Nets team. And it's not close. The month of November looks bad. Um, they have a number of disadvantaged spots. They have a number of very challenging opponents. And on top of that, the fact that the entire world of basketball is going to be cheering against them, I don't think is going to kind of, you you know, get, you're not going to get the best out of these guys, uh, for the next month. However, there is a massive, massive pivot point on their schedule that uh, starts after they face the Boston Celtics on December 4th. Basically, that is sort of the end of the tough part of their schedule. And even if this team is like, what would they be like four and 15 at that time? Uh, and like, presumably like the, uh, this that would they'd be 25 games in. So that would be like uh, five and 20. Like they could, they could actually be five and 20. That's not crazy. And at that point, then I think the bottom is finally going to come in on this team. Uh, right now, pe- the market is currently ranking uh, the nets kind of right in the middle. They're about the 14th power rated team right now, still a point and a half better than an average team on a neutral court. Uh, that is again, not close to the bottom. Like we have a long way to go, and I think people are going to start to be like, "Oh nope, Nets aren't going to make the playoffs." People are going to be, you know, kind of exhaust all of the memes and the puns and the and the and the making jokes. Um, and then from that December fourth point until about the middle end of January, uh, they have a stretch of uh, twenty games where I can realistically see them going about eighteen and two. Uh, and so I think there is going to be a big flip on this team. From the uh, beginning of December uh, to the end of January, and I will be a buyer at that pivot point, assuming that you know that uh, that they haven't just completely torn the entire thing down, which is not a, not an impossibility. Yeah, wow, wild swings.
0: Um, for the Brooklyn Nets. I think if they're five and twenty, I don't think uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are both coming out for that twenty sixth game. They'll be playing for <laughs> the Phoenix Suns or something. I don't think uh, I don't think they'll be around, but. Yeah, I, I still think this team has significant upside as well because they have pieces that they can trade. And if Durant, if they're sure that Durant is actually sticking around uh, and Ime is, if he creates a, a new culture defensively and everything, then, you know, they're one trade away from like a Miles Turner or whatever from being potentially an absolute force. Let's see what Joe Harris and Seth Curry look like as they get fully reintegrated. Simmons only has upside. He can't get worse than he is right now. So, yeah, I mean, I couldn't touch the, the Nets at plus 550 to win the East right now when yeah. the Bucks are plus 275. That gap needs to be much, much bigger. But let's quickly talk about the rest of the East before we wrap up. So Bucks are the favorite right now jointly with the Celtics plus 275, then the Nets. Sixers plus 750, which I can't get involved in based on what that defense has looked like. And then the Cavs who were the interesting ones to me. I don't think I would bet on them at plus plus a 1,000, but I don't think that's far off true price, which uh, is surprising because I didn't think I would have them rated that highly preseason. But with what the Cavs have shown defensively, uh, and the big thing there is Donovan Mitchell, who I actually think is a chance to win MVP. I think his Whoa. MVP price is too long. He's obviously he's a force on offense, and the whole thing with him is he said he spent the entire offseason working on his defense, and so far it's shown. Like, he is a much better defensive player uh, through this first couple of weeks than he was in Utah. And if the Cavs get the number one seed and Mitchell is averaging like 30 a game and there's this narrative about how he fixed his defense and by getting the number one seed, you you make it harder for guys like Giannis and Tatum to win MVP as well because you finished above them. I mean, I think Mitchell is live, uh, and I think the Cavs are alive to do some damage. Are you, uh, are you a ball Cleveland bandwagon?
3: I'm not, but you're making a strong case. Um, like tonight, for instance, against Boston, I made that game three and a half, and it's Boston minus two. I make Boston the best team in the NBA, seven points better than an ab- average team on a neutral. I make Cleveland two points better than an average team on a neutral. I agree with you that their defense is rating well and is, is grading well, but the offense for the Cavs is is a bigger question for me. Like I have Boston's offense ten points better. Uh, in a neutral game script um so it's is uh it's they're gonna have to prove it to me offensively i think for me to really come around on this team but uh you know maybe we do live in a in an nba now where effort and defense might be the distinguishing characteristic on a team in the east which otherwise has a lot of questions i mean basically nobody in the east outside of milwaukee and boston is showing us anything and i have questions about milwaukee frankly because everybody else besides Giannis is on the downside of their aging curve uh and you know just in general um this little spark that you're seeing from the likes of the brooke lopez's and even drew holiday i I don't 100 percent believe is sustainable so um concerned a little bit about everybody that's not boston right now in the east uh and uh, but 10 to 1 for the Cavs if they ultimately can get a top three seed uh that will be an interesting team
0: Yeah. I believe in the Cavs. I believe in their offense. Right now they got the fourth best offense in the NBA, and that's without Darius Garland playing, who is an offensive force, an all-star level player. So I think they can have a top ten offense and a top five defense, which makes you a contender. So uh, I'm and also they've had it they haven't had an easy schedule. Like they've had to play at Toronto, they've had to play the Celtics already. They've played then it seems like the Bulls, the Knicks, who are not terrible teams, obviously are uh, not the greatest either. But yeah, I think the Cavs are a team with pretty big upside. So we'll see how that goes. I believe in you, Donovan Mitchell, from uh, sixty to one MVP, just because you know they could be the one seed. They have that upside. Evan Mobley gives them significant amount of upside as well. All right, don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to everyone watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel, and if you're listening in podcast form don't forget to subscribe and rate us from jay croucher and drew dinsick we'll see you soon